Welcome to episode 9 of Square Talk, and this week we have a bit of a treat. We've got a Masonic short from our very own provincial grand orator David Hughes, followed by an insight into the role of secretary from our provincial grand secretary, Paul Wallace. But first of all, I'm delighted to introduce our first Masonic short, and this week's topic is all about Freemasons Hall in London and the Hallstone Jewel. Now, brethren, you've all heard of Freemasons Hall in Great Queen Street in London. How did that wonderful structure come to be built? Well, we've got to go back to the end of the 18th century. In 1776, the Brethren decided to build a hall, and they initially called it the Freemasons Tavern. And the architect was a man called Thomas Sandley. And they built it, not just for Masonic functions, but also to make money, because it was an assembly building. You could have concerts in there, you could have dances, etc., etc., as well as Masonic meetings. And that was then extended by the great Sir John Soane, and some of you may be familiar with his museum in Lincoln's Inn Fields in London. And then it was, again, a little bit more extended in the middle of the 18th century, and very, very badly damaged by fire in the 1880s, but it was patched up. But after the Great War, the then Grand Master, His Royal Highness the Duke of Connell, decided that there should be a permanent memorial to those brethren who had made the supreme sacrifice in the Great War 1914-1918. And there were in fact 3,000 English Masons who perished in that conflict. And so he proposed the creation of what he called the Masonic Million Fund, a million pounds to build a magnificent new structure in London to act as the headquarters for the craft in this country, but also the dependent territories overseas. And the idea was that this should be paid for by voluntary subscription. And so he launched the idea in 1919, and then there was a magnificent banquet held at Olympia in 1925, which I think still holds the record for being the largest meal ever served to a number of people at a single setting. And that actually brought in the magnificent total of £825,000. So they've almost got their million. And then the other idea that they had was Hallstone Jewels. And there were two ways that you could get a Hallstone Jewel. You could either, as a lodge, subscribe the equivalent of 10 guineas per member and provided that was the average sum overall, then your lodge got a Hallstone Jewel. And we've got two Hallstone Jewels here in Leicestershire and Rutland. We've got Albert Edward Lodge and Enderby Lodge. And they're beautiful jewels, silver gilt, mounted on a pale blue uh, ribbon, which the Worshipful Master wears during his year of office. My own mother lodge, the Earl of Sussex Lodge, down in the province of Sussex, is also a Hallstone Jewel Lodge. So I have had the privilege of wearing the Hallstone Jewel. But I'll tell you, it's a terrible responsibility as well because they're irreplaceable and woe betide you if you lose it. The other way that you could get a jewel was as an individual subscriber. So if an individual subscribed 10 guineas, he would get a silver jewel. If on the other hand, he was a wealthy chap and he subscribed 100 guineas, and remember how much that was in those days, he'd get a gold jewel. 
And those jewels belonged to the recipient. They could not be passed on. They can't be worn by anyone else. You can own them, but you can't wear them. And just as a little postscript to this little talk, uh, because obviously the Million Fund reached its temple and building started and it was finished in 1933. And it's, it's probably the greatest Art Deco building in London. And if you haven't been, please at some point do try to go. But here's a little postscript. A few years ago, some clever chap thought he'd make money by selling replica Hallstone jewels. And he tried to square this uh, with uh, the uh, conduct of masonry by saying, well, any profit I make will go to Masonic charity. Well, that came to the attention of United Grand Lodge. No, no one must buy one of these jewels. So if you do get offered one, brethren, please don't buy them because Grand Lodge says they're very naughty indeed. So don't buy a replica Holstein jewel. Thank you. So I would like to welcome the Provincial Grand Secretary of Leicestershire and Rutland Freemasons, Paul Wallace. Welcome, Paul. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Um, uh, nice to be invited to take part. I'm sorry we left it so long, but as some would say, we were saving the best until later on. <laughs> but, but I'm going to dive straight into the questions before you answer that one. Uh, Paul, can you, first of all, give the audience a little bit of background to yourself? So where your masonry began and what are you up to now? Okay, as, uh, as you can probably tell from my accent, uh, my masonry started off in London. Um, and like so many brethren uh, that I know and who are probably listening to this, um, it all started with ladies' nights. Uh, I went to several ladies' nights. Um, uh, my dad was a mason. My granddad was. Um, and in those days, you know, you had to wait to be asked. Um, there was not the sort of recruitment process that we have these days. You, you, you had to, so you had to ask to, to become a mason. You, can't, you, you couldn't rely on somebody asking you. So eventually I asked the question, much to the relief of my father, who proposed me, my grandfather who seconded me, and my uncle who initiated me. So it's quite a family affair um, way back in 1982. Um, I loved it from the minute I joined, um, really enjoyed it, the whole ceremony and everything else that's gone with it. Joined chapter uh, about three years later, the chapter that was attached to my London Lodge, um, and then through work, uh, moved up to the East Midlands, up to, to work in an office in Leicester, moved our family to Market Harborough, I was lucky enough um, to bump into a couple of uh, Freemasons who were members of the Castle of Leicester Lodge, who were good enough to uh, propose and second me as a joining member of that lodge, and I then went on to be master, etc., etc. Um, never got round to joining a chapter in Leicester until I came across Peter Kinder, and he asked me if I'd be interested in helping out in the scribe's office, the provincial grand scribe's office. Um, I said I would. He said, well, you'd better join a chapter up here then. So I joined Granite Chapter, um, of, which I, yeah, of which you are a member, of course. Of course, um, of course. Joined, uh, joined Installed Masters Chapter as well. Um, I was Scribe E, worked in the Scribe E's office for a while. Um, I then joined other orders. I, when I, I was lucky enough to be able to retire relatively young, so I had some time to join the other orders. So I'm in several other orders as well. I've been through the chair in some of them. Um, and I've enjoyed, um, I've enjoyed every minute of it. I've ended up now, as you said in your introduction, Provincial Grand Secretary, 
a job which I've wanted to do for a long time. Um, I'm also Deputy Grand Superintendent in the Royal Arch. I'm Noel Manby's um, second in command in the, Royal, in the Royal Arch as well. So um, it's a busy life. A pretty, a pretty long Masonic CV then. But it, when you were talking about it, you mentioned the Royal Arch. And at some point you became Provincial Grand Scribe And you did that job for a while. And for anybody that doesn't know, that's not in the Royal Arch, that is... I guess, uh, an equivalent to the Provincial Grand Secretary book for the Royal Arch. It is, did, yeah. And did that prepare you then for the job that you're doing now? Is it similar or are there just far too many differences? Um, it prepared me in, in two ways. Firstly, because, of, because it is, um, it's similar in as much as you have to learn um, a lot of new communication skills and different ways of communicating because you're dealing with the rules and regulations of the Royal Arch dealing with the chapter scribes e and other people and provincial officers etc so it's um it's a new new t- new set of people and type of type of individual you're dealing with so that's good preparation for, for this job um it also meant i was working with uh, peter kinder who was then um grand superintendent of course is now a pgm and so um it got me acclimatized to working uh with peter uh, it must have been successful for him to ask me to be his provincial grand secretary, I guess. Or, or uh, were you the only one on the list, maybe? Or, or I was the only one on the <laughs> list. Yeah, nobody else was mug enough to do it. Yes, there's a, so, several similar expressions. Um, but yes, it does prepare you um, because of that, the, the communication skills you have to, uh, you have to acquire, um, the types of people you're dealing with, the types of jobs they're doing, as well as the job you're doing, um, and working with um, Peter as a team leader. So I did. You, you, and you've been doing the provincial grand secretary role now for what is it six months six months yeah six months so what uh, it's only a short short space of time but what's been the most challenging i guess there's an obvious answer to that but but well, what else have you found has been challenging during this role that you didn't foresee before you took it there's one area which people would know very little about um and that's the area of masonic discipline unfortunately Sometimes our brethren don't always maintain the very high standards that we expect of them, um, which, which results in, in, in some form of disciplinary action. Um, I've had to do with finishing up um, some that uh, Kelvin started, um, and I'm, I've had to do with two or three since. Luckily, um, nothing of any particular, particularly serious nature, um, and a couple when we decided a quiet word would be the best way to do, best way to deal with it without going through the formal process. Um, so that was a that was a bit of a that was a bit of a surprise. I didn't really see that coming. It's uh, because of the scribe experience. The rest of it I was kind of expecting, except that, except there are more questions because there are three times as many lodges as there are chapters, um, and therefore you know, a whole new load of people to interact with. So that was challenging getting to grips with different systems because when I was scribe about a hundred years ago. A lot of the systems we have now, communication tools um, and other ways of dealing with, there was hardly a Delphi when I was doing that job. So, um, yeah, it's challenging to get to know new systems, new ways of doing things that have changed since I was last involved at um, at a provincial level. So that's uh, that's been a challenge. It's been fun. So there's been challenges. You mentioned fun. So what's been the most, I won't say fun, what's been the most enjoyable part of, of uh, taking over the role of ProfSec? The first thing I have to say is working with a, with a new team. I, I like working in teams. I've always been a team player. Um, 
I like leading teams as well. I won't, I won't, I won't hide that light under a bushel. Um, and we've got a great team. I'm getting to know and work with uh, Tim Dixon, the assistant secretary, uh, Sandy Tanner, um, our coordinator, and uh, Richard Sutton, um, who's a godsend uh, in the office, uh, um, helping out with all various projects uh, that, he, that he gets involved in as well. So working with a new team um, has been enjoyable, getting to know them, getting to know how they work, what makes them tick. Reuniting my, um, I should be pre- reprising my role with Peter Kinder as my immediate boss again. That's been um, that's been enjoyable. That can be that has its moments. It's yeah, both, I think uh, he said the same thing about about you as well. Yeah, we're, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're both men of we're both men who have opinions who aren't afraid to express them. Uh, that's probably a nice way nice way of putting it. Um, but we have a great deal of fun as well. Um, we um, some of the uh, some of the meetings are absolutely hilarious. But it's been um, but yeah, so yeah, that's, that's that's been enjoyable getting back together with Peter again. We enjoyed that. Now, after, I guess, only a few months into the job, something happened, which was, let's say, out of your control and out of all all of our control, and everything changed, uh, what with the lockdown period. So how do you see life getting back to normal for the province at some point? So not when, I know none of us know, but how do you see it getting back to normal for the province? Uh, I think in... in, um in slow managed steps i think i don't think it's i don't think it'll be that much different from from the way the country is going to emerge from from lockdown i think it will be small small steps we'll take every opportunity i know we're, we're all very keen to get back doing something it might not be full lodge meetings with full ceremonies for a little while i know there's a tremendous appetite amongst the executive to to get back doing something and we will take every opportunity to take advantage um, or any any uh, relaxation that comes along that we can legitimately and safely exploit, we will be doing that. We will it will take some time. It's going to be uh, a while, um, obviously. I mean, even even if they find a vaccine, so uh, getting back to full normal will take a while. But as we've seen with the steps, I've just been just watching the the one o'clock news. I've been seeing with the steps that have been outlined already. There are some signs of re- of restoring to we might call it a caricature of normality. And um, uh, we will be following the same the, the same route. As soon as we can do something, we we certainly will. And you've obviously been involved with the communication steering group as well as we've been in this lockdown period, of which I've been pleased to be part of as well. Now that's a team, and you, you like working in teams. And how have you enjoyed working in that team as part of the communications group? And uh, and have we been achieving the results that you think we should have been doing? You know, if I could have asked myself a question, I think that's that's probably one that I would have I would have done because that has been a tremendous combination. This whole lockdown has been a tremendous combination of um, hard work, difficult things to do, and and fun again. It's that it's that, that the fun work comes in again, and the communications group's been brilliant. You know, we have our regular meetings, as you know, every Wednesday. Um, I speak to the PGM most evenings uh, to discuss uh, what we should be doing away from that meeting. And then we take our conclusions back to that meeting and we decide what to do. We've had two uh, very enjoyable Q&A webinars. We did one last night, which was, uh, which was tremendous fun. It's actually quite hard work. You, it's, it's a bit like this. You've really got to be on your toes and be careful what you say because you've got you know, sort of 60 or 70 guys listening to you, um, all of whom are going to jump on anything you say that they either don't like or they think is wrong. Um, I had a phone call this morning uh, from somebody who thought I'd got something wrong, but um, luckily I was able to uh, put that straight. It was a, I, I wasn't wrong. It was a mis- misunderstanding. 
That was a brave um, fellow. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, it's it's one of the things. It's, yeah, it's, again, it comes back to communication. Another the, the communications group has been has been tremendous. I think we've done a colossal amount. I think you know between the podcasts and the webinars and some of the written material, the written material that's gone out has been has been excellent. Um, the lectures that we've been able to see, the quizzes. As you know, Richard, we have, we have this, this discussion frequently on, on balance. You know, are we, are we doing too much? Are we doing too little? Are we sending out too many messages? Are we sending out too few messages? Um, it's a very difficult thing to judge. I think we've got the balance about right. We did ask the question last night. If someone wants to come back to us and tell us what we could do better or differently or extra or less, we'd be very happy to hear from them. All in all, I think, the, I think it was an inspiration for Peter to put that comms group together. In the way that he has, because they we seem to be six people who uh, who just um, you know get on tremendously well and form form our opinions fairly quickly actually, as well. They don't drag on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, it's great. And obviously, all six of us are looking forward to this uh, to this curry that the PGM has promised us at some point in the future. Indeed, there will be a comms group curry, uh, as the PGM put it last night when we all signed off after the main group has signed off. Um, the, the travel to, to and from the curry night will be by taxi. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I needed to know. <laughs> now, yeah. away, from, uh, away from curries and taxis, um, I need to bring it back to secretaries. I am mm. a lodge secretary, as you know, so this is kind of dear to my heart. What do you see changing for the role of secretary in the short term? Okay, there's, um, there's, the, short, there's, the, there's the short term and the, and the little bit longer but still fairly short term and I'll explain what I mean as I come to them I mean in the short term it's, it's going to be about getting back to lodge as we as we're as we're calling it and our little working group back on the square that's going to be very different for secretaries um, there are going to be, there are going to be introduced to concepts that they will never have come across before and might never come across again this like having to deal with any election meetings that have been missed installation meetings that have been missed now, I've written to all the secretaries trying to explain what some of those things mean. But when we actually get back and we've actually got to try and start picking up the pieces, they are going to be challenges which we're all going to face, all the secretaries and the secretari- secretariat, myself and Tim, are going to face when we get back um, because people will want emergency meetings. You know, Hopefully, they will have a backlog of candidates to initiate. Hopefully, they'll have a backlog of, of other ceremonies to perform. So that's going to be a very challenging time for all of us. Um, as I say, not anything that a secretary would have, been, been, would have been through before. So in the short term, that's going to be um, quite a challenge. But I think it's going to be, um, it, will be, it will be manageable and well managed. But it will, be, it will be different in the short term. In the slightly longer term from that, we have uh, Project Hermes uh, coming down the track. I actually did my first bit of Hermes training last week. Um, now, this is a new a computer system um, which allows secretaries to interface directly with Adelphi. So the secretary will input all the information that would normally come into the office and we would deal with, will go straight onto the screen. Um, So they will literally be doing it live in real time on a screen. So right from when someone shows an interest in becoming a member, that information will be logged uh, right through the uh, internet initiation process. The P form will be done online. The UGLE um, forms and the returns will be done online. The post-meeting, there'll be a post-meeting report, which will report on the number of members there, who perhaps who did the work. Um, it sounds daunting. And when you have your first, when the secretaries have their first bit of training, it, it, it will look daunting. But I think it's one of those things that um, 
once you actually get into it, it's not nearly as bad. Well, bad is not really the right word. It's not nearly as hard as it looks. I think a, a heck of a lot of it is intuitive. Uh, you'll be led from button to button, from drop-down list to drop-down list. There, there will be a great deal of intuition. In fact, um, it put me in mind of um, when the Apple first launched the iPhone, one of their marketing slogans were, uh, you already know how to use it, you know, because it was so intuitive that um, you, know, you, didn't, you didn't need an owner's manual. You could just switch it on and it all became fairly obvious. I think it's going to be similar, similar with Hermes. There will be all, you, you of all people, Richard, will know that there are always, there are always teething problems with introducing new computer systems. And I've no doubt this, will, this won't be any different. But what I am absolutely uh, happy about is the fact that it's going to make you know, once, once those teething troubles are over, it will make the secretary's job easier, much easier communication between the secretary and Adelphi. It will be instant. These records will be updated. They're not going to go into a store somewhere and someone's going to input them later. They will, as, as the secretary types in the information, it will go straight onto Adelphi. So that's, a, that's in the slightly longer, but not too long term. We're, this is going to be rolled out next year. Um, and we'll probably begin our training. Uh, if I, was, I don't know yet. Um, I'm, I'm guessing spring. Next year, probably, we'll, be, we'll start the training for it. But it's a very exciting development and uh, will make everybody's jobs easier in the long run. It just needs a bit of getting used to. I'm looking forward to it. Anything to make things easier is okay with me, but I enjoy, I enjoy the job of secretary. So this probably next question might, might not be fair to you because being a secretary by nature yourself, how important is the role of lodge secretary, particularly at this time? Yeah, very um, you wouldn't expect me to say otherwise, as you as you said in your introduction to that question. Um, I was a lodge secretary of my London lodge for nine years. I was lodge secretary of Castle of Leicester Lodge for nine years. I worked in the provincial grand scribe's office for seven years, and now I'm doing this job. So I, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody out there if I say I think the, the, the role of secretary is absolutely vital. Um, I think it's also it is. I think it is the most important job in in the lodge. I know. The DC has a great deal of responsibility for you know for for our uh, for our ritual and our rubric, and that's a, that's a challenging job as well. But if the secretary you know isn't doing what the secretary should be doing, then um, you know the, the the lodge would not be in a position to um, carry out the ceremonies because they wouldn't have the they wouldn't have the wherewithal to do it. You wouldn't have the summons, you wouldn't have the candidates, you wouldn't have the P forms, um, and so on and so forth. So I think it's absolutely vital. Um, I enjoy being secretary as well. I gave up both my secretaryships um, um, because it was my time. It was time to give them up, but I didn't do it. Um, it was voluntary, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to give it up. I. I, I loved the job. I thought it was because you are because you got such a pivotal role. I suppose a bit of a control freak, really. I could. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. I could exercise <laughs> my control freakishness over uh, over a body of thirty or forty people all at once. Yeah. So you've done the role, and you've done the role in the Royal Archer Scribe, and um, now as Provincial Grand Secretary. So what advice would or could you offer to all of the Lodge Secretaries out there for their roles? I think the most important thing is please don't be afraid to ask. That's the, the biggest piece of advice I think you can give. You know, lots of Freemasons, actually. It's not just Secretaries, but lots of others as well. If you're not sure about what, to do next or what to do at all or what you should be doing or what somebody else should be doing please contact us in the secretary's office if we don't know the answers we almost certainly know someone who does um, and if we don't know somebody who does we'll find somebody who knows somebody who does so yeah we will always get you an answer things that might seem silly trivial don't hesitate to ask because they might not be you might think it's uh, you might think it's daft to ask you know, this, a particular question 
because you think the answer is probably obvious. Well, it might not be obvious. Um, I, I'm often asked questions. So, well, presumably we blah, blah, blah. I say, no, no, not only do you not do that, you can't do that. Please don't be afraid to ask. I would encourage that at all times. Get in touch with us on provsec at pglless.co.uk or phone me, phone me at home or on my mobile. And don't worry about phoning me. People do. Um, my only rule is not before nine in the morning and not after nine at night. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I don't keep early. I don't keep. I don't keep early mornings. I think after nine at night, when the phone rings, you often think it's trouble. So uh, no, trouble, that's trouble or a wrong number, one of the wrong, two. Wrong number. Yeah. So that's that's the first piece of advice. The second piece of advice leads on from what I was saying just now. I would really encourage you. No, don't be scared of Hermes. Don't allow yourself to be intimidated by it. Um, there's no need. Um, because not only will it prove in the end, once you get used to it, to be a system that's, that's easy to use, um, there's loads of help available. By the time we get to the stage where we're teaching you how to use it, Tim and I and anybody else we draft into the team will be very familiar with it. So and, and there, won't, there won't be a problem. Again, it comes back to the same thing. Ask the question. If you're getting stuck with it or you don't understand it, just ask the question and we will help. Um, so that's, I suppose those are my two biggest pieces of advice in the current times. Um, especially with, as I say, this this period coming up where we're all going to be doing things that we've never done before. Please don't be afraid to ask. There are no, there's no such thing as a silly question. And please try, please embrace Hermes because it's uh, it, it's it's an excellent excellent system and it's going to make uh, it's going to make the running of Freemasonry um, so much so much easier. And as a lodge secretary, all duly noted. Now they say time flies when you're having fun, and I am having fun, but unfortunately, our time is now up and we do have to leave it there but before you go uh, a huge thank you for giving up some of your time to be with us on this podcast and of course for all of the work that you're doing within the province to ensure that we all can continue to enjoy our freemasonry and as a footnote i look forward to that promised curry so thanks for your time paul well thank you very much richard thanks for giving me the opportunity of, uh, of speaking to, uh, to to hopefully a, a, a wide audience um i've enjoyed it it's been great fun thanks very much <laughs>